the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be telling you all you need to know about getting sicko. And I don't just mean the kind that... um, as you ending up in bed with a thermometer in the mouth, in your mouth. I'm talking about Michael Moore's new film, Sicko. And, um, of course, if you haven't seen that yet, and actually it hasn't uh, been on a wide release yet, um, you may certainly have heard about it. And, uh, what he's talking about is healthcare horror stories. And yes, indeed, they are becoming all too common. And the question is why? Greedy insurance and pharmaceutical companies, managed care, demoralized doctors, non-physician medical professionals grabbing a bigger piece of the pie, stress making us all more vulnerable to becoming sicko, I think uh, all of the above. My guests today are going to be expressing their views about the movie and about health care in America and what we can do to get it well again. <laughs> Um, my guests are Dr. Ronald Davis. He is the president of the American Medical Association and the director of the Center for Health Promotion and Disease Prevention at the Henry Ford Health System in Detroit, Michigan. My other guest is Richard Ralston. He is the executive director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks. Um, what? Why don't we start with um, you, Mr. Davis. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. President. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on my show today. And uh, I perhaps made you sicko <laughs> by, by getting you to watch this movie, but I would imagine you would have watched it anyway um, in your position. I, I would have seen it anyway. And uh, obviously thousands of people or tens of thousands of people are going to be seeing it. It's going to increase awareness and discussion of the problems that we have in health care. The AMA has been addressing those issues and talking about those issues itself for many, many years, and so we appreciate the dialogue. And why don't we start off with our impressions of the movie? Um, what did you think of the movie? Well, there are a couple of good things about it, and that is that it certainly hypes the problem that we have in this country, and uh, that is that we have 45 million Americans who don't have health insurance. And we are the wealthiest nation on earth, and that's unacceptable, and it's disgraceful, really, that uh, one out of seven Americans do not have health insurance. It also was helpful in highlighting some of the unethical practices that we've seen in the health insurance industry. Some of the insurance claims adjusters, for example, that get paid bonuses for having higher denial rates, and that's just wrong. And uh, we have been taking action against unethical practices that we've seen in the insurance industry for many, many years, filing lawsuits against them on some on some occasions. So those are two benefits to the movie, raising public awareness about 
the need to solve the problem of the uninsured and to curb unethical practices by insurance companies. And Unfortunately, there are there are some distortions in the movie. That's Hollywood. That's Michael Moore. Uh, he has an agenda that he wants to put out there. He seems to have suggested that if we put all of health care in the hands of government, that will solve the problem. People don't realize that we already have about half of our health care system uh, being funded or being controlled in one way or another by government, such as through the Medicare and Medicaid programs. But uh, he also glosses over other or doesn't even mention other proposals to solve the problem. We at the AMA, for example, have a very reasonable plan and a funding mechanism to achieve that plan that would provide universal coverage. And that would involve providing tax credits to people to allow them to purchase and own and carry with them their own health insurance, a government payment, if you will, a voucher that would allow people, especially the poor, to buy health insurance and carry it with them, even if they change from one job to another and have and, and have a, a medical condition that might otherwise make it difficult or impossible for them to purchase health insurance. Okay. Well, we can get into that a little more um, a little later on. Uh, Mr. Austin, what what did you think of the movie? Well, it was a combination of um, cascading misinformation uh, combined with, and what was more glaring to me, with uh, spectacular omissions uh, of information, uh, both in terms of, uh, uh, as Dr. Davis said, what the actual context is in America. We don't have a pristine, laissez-faire, free market healthcare system uh, just designed by Adam Smith. Uh, we do, as Dr. Davis said, have a system in which the government, federal government, uh, pays for and uh, controls half the healthcare. And uh, more importantly, state governments have, have a huge regulatory burden they put on it in terms of the way they regulate insurance. Um, the reason that uh, that uh, affordable insurance is not available in California is because it's forbidden by law. Uh, you cannot buy a low-cost policy or a low-cost portable policy or a policy from another state. You can only buy a policy that has 49 mandated requirements in terms of what you buy. And if you have a health savings account to help you with the out-of-pocket, uh, you pay California tax on it, unlike most states. Uh, also, in terms of what the federal government controls, um, uh, and having to contend, uh, the whole healthcare system has to contend with 130,000 pages of Medicare regulations. Uh, I've seen them on shelves. Uh, no one can understand them. No one can read them. No one can even lift them. Uh, and it's impossible to be in compliance with some provisions without being in violation of other provisions. And there's criminal penalties uh, for violating those. Uh, provisions, which uh, puts a horrible burden on all providers, from physicians to to uh, hospitals, and has had enormous influence on the way the insurance industry does things. It isn't hard to find horror stories in the insurance industry, and it's hard to love the insurance companies. Uh, but much of what they're doing has been an implementation of government policy, and let me let me connect that just once with the movie. Uh, I am not a fan of HMOs, uh, and I think it's quite appropriate to go after HMOs. But it, it was uh, it was truly comic the way he presented the HMOs as a conspiracy or uh, 
creation of a satanic Richard Nixon uh, without mentioning the fact that the primary advocate in the Congress, the close partner with Richard Nixon in getting the uh, HMO Act of 1973 through this through a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House, was Edward Kennedy. Hmm. Uh, that was the magic wand, the solution. Managed care would pay for it. He also didn't mention that a primary feature of the Clinton proposals in 93 and 94 was to force virtually everyone into HMOs. Um, so that's, HMOs have caused problems, but one of the problems has been they've been expected to be a magic solution. They would manage care and therefore keep costs down. Uh, but uh, then they're condemned for managing care. Uh, it's fine to condemn, as he does in the film, an insurance company for not automatically and immediately approving a half a million dollar surgical procedure. Um, but you can't uh, castigate an insurance company for that at the same time complain about the cost of health care. What if it was a $1 million procedure? What if it was a $10 million procedure? Uh, no insurance system in the world, whether it's health insurance companies or nationalized health care systems, uh, will pay for everything that anyone wants, no matter how experimental, no matter how cutting edge, no matter how technological. Uh, cost is no object. So uh, it's fine to condemn that, but no system um, would be set up to do what he was talking about. Well, do you want to respond to that, uh, Dr. Davis? Well, I agree with many of those points, and uh, and and I think one of the problems, uh, as as has been mentioned by many people with this movie, is is all of the omissions. For example, uh, the movie portrays Canada and France and Cuba as having these wonderful healthcare systems, problem free, because they're government run, and the movie shows the World Health Organization's rankings of the best healthcare systems in the world, and, and, and we could talk about whether that ranking is, is valid or not, but the United States comes in at 37, and the movie mentions that uh, Slovenia, I believe, is, is, is just below that, but the movie does not mention that Canada is 30, hmm. which is pretty far down the list, and Cuba is 39, hmm. but below the United States. Hmm. And, and yet Mr. Moore in his movie is portraying these other healthcare systems as, as being outstanding, if not perfect. So uh, that omission is, is, is serious. Uh, he, he talks about the situation in, in France uh, as if this is something that we should have here, uh, which would include free college for everyone, free health, free child care for everyone, five weeks of paid vacation for everyone, plus an extra week of paid vacation for a honeymoon, unlimited six days, and uh, talks about routine physician house calls, uh, I believe, in, in the U.K., and all of these things are portrayed as if we ought to be providing those in the United States, and of course, if we had unlimited funding, that would be nice, but how much would it cost to provide all of those things for free to all Americans, and how many more uh, payments in, in taxation mm -hmm. would we have to make, every one of us, to cover all those things, and, and, and what, would have to, what would have to be refunded as a result? So those are some serious uh, omissions that need to be part of the policy debate. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the problems that, that I have with this movie is, is was well, that we have to take a break right now. When we come back, I'll talk about some of the problems. 
We're talking today about uh, the movie Sicko and what you need to know to avoid getting into the Sicko system. My guests are Dr. Ronald Davis, he is the president of the AMA, and Richard Ralston, the executive director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. The Cherry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Cherry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Cherry Douglas Show. Join Cherry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Cherry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about everything you need to know about getting sicko or not. 
My guests are Dr. Ronald Davis, the president of the AMA, and Richard Ralston, the executive director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. Before the break, I was starting to say um, what I thought about the movie, and one of the things that concerned me, I mean, yes, there were a lot of things that were funny, although some of them in a, in a kind of a graveyard humor sort of way, uh, literally. Um, and, and you know, Michael Moore does have his, uh, I mean, he, he does, he can make things funny, um, you know, get us to laugh, which has its positive and negative sides. But what bothered me was that there were some things that I really strongly agreed with. I actually saw it Sunday night at uh, the Writers Guild uh, Theater. So it was an interesting group to be seeing it with, and they loved it. I mean, they were applauding um, and laughing, and, you know, there was, you could definitely tell they were with him. Um, But... And some of the things I certainly was with him about, too, notably the managed care and the insurance companies and how they are um, really uh, killing people, literally. Uh, But, of course, some of the other things I disagreed with, and what I'm concerned about is that you kind of get swept up with his charm or with his um, comedy, and it's easy to paint all of the things that he says with one brush one broad brush stroke rather than sort of being able to pick out what is wrong and what we should do something about, uh, not letting insurance companies kill us, for example, or go into our past and find reasons to deny claims and all of that. And yet um, the, the things that, that were against the AMA or against doctors, um, of course I'm prejudiced, but still, um, you know, were very wrong, and yet I could see everyone really being swept up in all of this especially at the end, well, I guess I shouldn't ruin it for people, but, um, and and in terms of these other countries, um, Canada, well, I don't have that much experience with medicine in Canada, but I've lived in France for two and a half years, and I lived in the U.K. for many months, and I know that their um, medical systems are not as great as he made them out to be. And... Um, so there really is a lot of sort of picking and choosing and yet sweeping us all up in his comedic uh, way of, of dealing with the subject and the idea of sort of making us all angry at the government, which which is probably reasonable given the current state of affairs. But um, but I think some of these, these fine points are being lost. Anybody like to comment on that? Well, well first, just he, uh, like most advocates of the term I prefer is medical socialism. He ignores a concept and principles of individual rights, liberties, personal choice, freedom, um, property rights, and particularly American values, that if health care is needed, then you can sweep away the rights of physicians, for example, their lives, their careers, whatever can be seized and distributed as the government um, sees fit. So I always need to return it to take a strong moral position and return it to principle. So when he or anyone else says every industrialized country, and this isn't quite true, but every industrialized country has nationalized their health care system, the only response can be, so what? Uh, Many of those countries have monarchies. Does that mean we should have monarchies? Many of those countries have got established state religions. Does that mean that we should? In many of those countries, people go to restaurants and eat slugs and garlic butter. Does that mean that we should? Uh, uh, what we do have that they don't is the Declaration of Independence, difference from the rest of the world, a Constitution, a Bill of Rights, and the concept 
of the primacy of individual rights, personal choice, freedom, free markets, etc. Uh, so when he makes that case, what he really has to do, I, 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 I agree with Dr. Davis about the section on France. It was incidentally about French health care. His message was that France, our French society, is superior to American society culturally, educationally, uh, socially, um, uh, in every respect. Uh, that we are inferior to the to the French, but not only that, we are morally inferior to socialism. Dr. Davis, would you like to uh, comment on that, and particularly on um, this demoralization that I have been observing over the years, I'm sure you have too, in doctors with the encroaching control of of government? Uh, Doctors are uh, more and more unhappy about the current state of the health care system, mainly because the sacred doctor-patient relationship is... uh, getting warped, really, by all the intrusions from insurers, government bureaucrats, all the paperwork uh, that is required, for example, to authorize a test that a doctor feels a patient may need. And uh, certainly uh, doctors are talking more and more, as they did at our annual meeting a week or two ago, about the need to take back the profession so that we can return to that uh, protected doctor-patient relationship. But I do want to get back to a point you were raising a few moments ago, and, and that is the appropriateness of these comparisons of other countries to our own country and whether what they do has any relevance to to what might be practical for the United States. We are a different country. We have a different set of values. We have a different government structure. And uh, as Mr. Ralston pointed out, what may make sense for another country may not make sense uh, for our country. And, and and some of some of the comparisons of, of Canada and Cuba to the United States just don't bear up. They may not even be truthful at all. Uh, for example, uh, toward the end of the movie, where uh, it, it spent a lot of time talking about the situation in Cuba, the, the, the movie points out that an individual was able to buy. Uh, an inhaler at a pharmacy for five cents, an inhaler that would cost 120 dollars in the United States. And Mr. Moore went on to say there seems to be a doctor on every on every block. But in fact, repeated stories in the Miami Herald have related how Cuban pharmacies lack many drugs, and patients rely on their relatives in Miami to send those medications to them. Mm. And so that that. Uh, positive portrayal of what's happening in Cuba is certainly open to question. And then the situation in Canada, uh, I think uh, Mr. Moore just dismissed the notion that there are long queues, long waiting periods for elective surgery. But uh, we hear about uh, long waiting periods or rationing in many of these other countries. Uh, if, if you're above a certain age, you can't get a kidney transplant in the mm. U.K., and uh, I, I have a hard time believing that everybody gets a, a house call by a physician whenever they need it, which was the implication in this movie for the, for the United Kingdom. In, in Canada, there is a, a national budget for health care, which is then parsed out for individual institutions, such as hospitals. And we've heard from our Canadian ho- colleagues that, for example, if a hospital begins to run low on its annual budget in October or November, it, it just starts... Uh, 
cutting back on the services that it provides. And, uh, and it may not hire, uh, we've heard from our colleagues, an orthopedic surgeon, for example, because uh, that, that surgeon would provide services that would cost money out of the hospital's budget. And so consequently, many patients can't find the kind of physicians or the kind of services that they need in, in, in Canada. And they may go into a long queue if they need a hip replacement or a knee replacement, and it may take them uh, a year or longer And so, to, to get that necessary surgery. So, so ask yourself what kind of quality of life is involved if you need a hip replacement or a knee replacement and you have to wait a year or longer to get it. These things were, were glossed over, and, uh, and these are important issues. Now, one other point, if I, if I may, uh, I think there was very little comment or no comment in the movie about the importance of unhealthy lifestyles, unhealthy behaviors in, uh, in impairing our, our health care system, uh, uh, our rising health care costs. And uh, one, one comment I've seen made in some of the newspaper coverage was interesting, for example, that Mr. Moore didn't uh, make any comment about the obesity epidemic mm-hmm. in the United States, and, of course, he's quite overweight himself. And uh, a health economist at uh, Emory University, uh, uh, Professor Thorpe, has pointed out that 30% of the health care, of, of the increase in health care costs over the last 30 years in the, in the United States are due to the obesity epidemic. And mm-hmm. so these are issues that also need to be part of the debate. Well, yes, first the... It was interesting. It was interesting to see him, you know, of course, uh, hosting the whole movie, being the narrator for the whole movie, in his and being so grossly overweight. I mean, he looked like he was a heart attack waiting to happen at any moment. And here he's talking about health care. I mean, I guess he wants to make sure that there's free health care available for him when he needs his heart transplant and all that. Well, if, if he does, uh, he probably won't fly to Canada and wait yeah, right. 18 months for referral right. to a cardiologist. Uh, the, uh, oh. I just add, to add to Dr. Davis' point, that, are we going into break? Yes, but go ahead, finish. You can make a quick comment. Uh, well, they you say Canadian. Go ahead. Canadian. Go ahead. They say Canadians live two years longer. I think they live longer before they nationalize their health care system. <laughs> Women live longer than men. It's not because they have better health care. Uh, how many Canadians die in traffic accidents, are killed by drug dealers, are addicted to drugs, are overweight, are shot down on the streets by criminals? Yeah, There's we do a, need to look at all of that. But now we also need to take a break. We'll come back with that. <laughs> You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about the movie uh, Sicko and what you need to know about getting there. My guests are Dr. Ronald Davis, the president of the American Medical Association, and Richard Ralston, the Executive Director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. 
On Travera's Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Travera's Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about what you need to know about getting sicko, Michael, Michael Moore's film. It's, uh, it's kind of an unfortunate time that this movie came out, uh, coinciding as it is now doing with the news that the terrorists, that several of the terrorists, um, in the UK have turned out to be doctors. Um, talking about Michael Moore's, uh, you know, uh, uh, glorifying of other countries' uh, medical system. In fact, you know, these doctors were practicing in um, Australia and the UK and, um, well, you know, obviously that we still need, it's still under investigation, but that's what it seems to be now, which is kind of interesting, and I'd like to have my guests Reactions, Dr. Ronald Davis, the president of the AMA, and Richard Ralston, the executive director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. Um, I, I thought about that, you know, why, how everybody is so shocked, of course, a doctor that you put, you put your life in their hands and then he turns out to be a terrorist. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about how a lot of people who become doctors, uh, you know, I'm talking as a psychiatrist now, um, who has looked at this, um, a lot of people who become doctors consciously or unconsciously do it 
because they um, have experienced some kind of brush with death when they were children, not necessarily themselves, although that sometimes happens. They're in a car accident or they're born with some kind of medical problem or whatever, but often it's a relative, they're one of their parents or a grandparent or something, and they are motivated. I'm not saying this is the only motivation for why people become doctors, but a lot of people are motivated, again, consciously or unconsciously, because they felt helpless when they were a child to fix their mommy or fix their daddy or fix themselves, and they want to have be able to have some kind of control over life or death. And then you put these people in uh, a radical, fanatical religious environment and, um, you know, it's kind of the extreme of that wanting to control who lives and dies, whether it's somebody you're operating on or um, you decide between club goers in London and airport travelers in Scotland. Why don't I let Dr. Davis respond to this first? Well, I, I wouldn't get carried away with the notion that uh, there are a lot of doctors who are terrorists. I, no. I, I, I don't think there's I'm not saying doctors. there are a lot of doctors who are terrorists. I'm just saying that, you know, people seem to be totally shocked that this could, how could, a, how could any doctor become a terrorist? Well, and it is shocking in some ways. It, it, it is. And, of course, it goes against the, every grain uh, that that uh, being a doctor is all about, and right. in fact, any doctor, any physician who engages in terrorism, uh, in, in my book, would not be a physician any longer. Right. When when Doctor Death, you know, uh, Kaborkian right. was doing the doctor-assisted suicide and and violating the law in the state of Michigan, he was immediately stripped of his medical license. So he was no longer Doctor Kaborkian; he was Mister Kaborkian. And certainly, anybody who that goes way beyond that to the kinds of things that we're talking about, terrorism, would immediately, in my mind, legally or not, sure. uh, be, be they would not be considered a physician any longer. And I, I don't think that there's any greater proportion of, of doctors who may be engaging in terrorism as compared to any other profession. But uh, the, the, the bottom line is that uh, doctors have a tremendous calling, and that is to, to treat sickness, to keep people healthy, to relieve pain and suffering, that's what our profession is all about, and I, I would see this situation as being kind of an anomaly, a distraction. Yes, I mean, I'm not, I just, I'm not saying that all, that a majority or more doctor, more terrorists are doctors or more doctors are terrorists, I'm just saying the fact that it could even happen once, and yes, of course, it's it's uh, it's really terrible, and, and the very least thing that should happen is they should be stripped of their doctor titles. Go ahead. Well, uh, to me, that's it, all it is, and I will yield to a psychiatrist on that one, but it's all non-essential. What it points to is uh, when Moore interviewed a, a British doctor about how wonderful he thought the National Health Service was and how happy he was with his pay, he didn't mention that the, the National Health Service has had to import from yes. other countries 20,000 physicians in the last three years because people don't want to work for the National Health Service. They want to get out of the medical practice or work for private practice. And so when you hire 20,000 physicians from the Middle East and Pakistan and India, there's going to, there might be a few, most of them must be competent physicians, but there might, might be a few bad uh, apples in the barrel who, who, uh, whose lives are overwhelmed by 
ideology, but he also didn't mention that 37% of the physicians that work for the National Health Service buy private insurance. Mm. That should tell us something. And he didn't mention in this wonderful British system of free health care that 6 million Britons buy private insurance because uh, it might not be meeting their needs. When uh, I will concede something, I think the French have a much better selection of cheese than we do. Uh, <laughs> but in talking about the French system, he didn't mention that in 2003, 13,000 Frenchmen died of heat prostration and dehydration in the summer of 2003. Uh, uh, the doctors weren't making the house calls. Uh, they were all on vacation in the Riviera. They were off for their summer vacation, and the hospitals weren't answering the phone, uh, and uh, and the uh, emergency rooms were overwhelmed. Um, so that is one of the details they were going after. And, of course, you can get great health care in, in Cuba while the uh, cameras are running. Right. Uh, and uh, he conveniently showed his relatives in uh, Canada, he happened to be in the room with a the camera then, buying insurance out of fear of traveling to America without mentioning that Canadians deliberately travel to America for the express purpose of spending a billion dollars on health care in America that they can't get in Canada every year. Uh, so it's, uh, uh, it is a, it is a, uh, logically challenging to follow <laughs> all of the omissions and all of the, uh, distortions and misstatements, but, uh, uh, we need to bring it back to principles and American values, and I, I definitely want to agree with Dr. Davis about um, the, the patient-doctor uh, uh, relationship, and the patient having the freedom to choose his doctor, uh, the doctor having the freedom to have direct contact and advise the patient um, uh, with uh, no one interfering with that process. Yes, you know, one of the, absolutely, that's part of the demoralization of doctors because um, they didn't, most doctors, 99.9% of them went into medicine to have this contact with patients, not to become terrorists. And and when when the government or, you know, managed care makes it impossible to develop that relationship, it really takes away the heart from medicine. And certainly in psychiatry, what I've noticed is, um so many psychiatrists are going to this medical, you know, becoming pharmacists in a sense, um, you know, seeing patients for 15 minutes or a half an hour, uh, giving them medication, and then seeing them once a month. And you can't develop any kind of a relationship like that. Instead of doing therapy with them, I refuse to do that. I will not see anybody um, who just wants me to see them to give them medication once a month. Either they come for psychotherapy and medication if they need it, but if not, just psychotherapy, but they have to come every week for 45 to 50 minutes. And and that's how, that's what psychiatry is. That's how I learned it. Um, and that's the best way to do it, not just being pill pushers and winding up really having a lot more problems um, than we ever had before. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, I just uh, looked at the inaugural address that uh, was given at the AMA by one of my predecessors with whom I happen to share the last name. Uh, his his name was James Davis. And uh, when he gave his inaugural address in 1988, he recalled this Norman Rockwell painting in the mm-hmm. 1950s that was
was on the cover of Saturday Evening Post. It shows the doctor and the patient in the examining room and uh, scales in the corner, the weight scales, diplomas on the wall, and a middle-aged physician is fixing a hypodermic for his young patient, a small boy standing in his chair with his rear end exposed, waiting for the shot that he knows he has to have. And, And then try and imagine the insurance uh, employee or the government bureaucrat getting in the way, uh, getting in between that doctor and that patient. And that's basically uh, what Dr. James Davis was saying in this speech and what we continue to face 20 years later uh, with third parties getting in between and, uh, and, and getting in the way of this uh, sanctified doctor-patient relationship. And I, I, I couldn't agree more and I'm a member as a small boy that doctor would make a house call, show up with his black bag and his fedora and come to my bed and give me a few pills and and then my mother would hand him a five dollar bill and he would leave and that was it. Uh and uh, uh that can't be done today. One of the best ways of getting back to that is a national market for portable, affordable, high deductible insurance policies that cover catastrophic coverage and routine visits and exams uh, uh, without burdensome uh, requirements that uh, the individual owns and can take from job to job or into retirement or from one state to another um, and then uh, have the health savings account and the tax break on all out-of-pocket medical expenses to get that relationship back as long as we have Byzantine insurance structures, whether it's private or government, uh, we're, we're going to have difficulty of getting back to that kind of personal relationship. Yes, you know, um, we're probably going to hear the break music any minute, but I would like uh, <laughs> I would like you both to talk in our last segment about how you each propose to fix this system. Um, that's broken. We all admit that there are some things that need to be fixed, but we also agree that it shouldn't be the government that's fixing them. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about uh, American health care. My guests are Dr. Ronald Davis, the president of the AMA, and Richard Ralston, the executive director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. In the ever-changing world of real estate, Mark Heller and Brian Church bring to Internet Talk Radio all the latest information, trends, and changes in the real estate market. And these guys pull no punches. That's Real Estate Talk with Mark Heller and Brian Church every Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. 
How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation, with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host, Terrence Wilson, the focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcasts each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation, bringing a message of deliverance to the fatherless on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the movie Sicko and the American healthcare system. My guests are Dr. Ronald Davis, he's the president of the AMA, and Richard Ralston, the executive director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine. So, okay, um, why don't you guys solve the problem? <laughs> what, um, what do you think should be uh, the way to make our system better? Well, uh, the AMA has uh, developed and refined a proposal over more than 10 years to solve this problem of the uninsured, and it's a consumer-driven, market-based approach to allow individuals to select and own and carry with them, no matter where they go or what job they have, their own health insurance. This would be done by giving them a tax credit, uh, which is essentially a government payment, a voucher, if you will, which would be larger for the lower-income people. So the people who need the most help would get the most help, and they would get that voucher, that government payment, and they would use it to buy health insurance for themselves and their family. It would be paid for by basically redirecting the current federal subsidies for employer-provided health insurance, which amounts to $120 billion a year. Mm. Employees who get health insurance from their employers don't pay taxes, on that benefit, and that amounts to $120 billion federal tax subsidy. We would take that money, redirect it to these refundable tax credits, which is what these things are called by the health policy experts. We would add another 30 to $60 billion to the pot, and that would allow us to cover about 94% of people, according to our actuarial analyses. Now, we've also recommended what we call individual responsibility, or, or an individual mandate, which would require people to own health insurance once they have the means to do so, just like people are required to have auto insurance to drive a car. And so once we provide 
these tax credits to people or some other subsidies like they do now in Massachusetts, then people would be required to own health insurance. And then that would get us to 100% coverage. This kind of approach has been endorsed by a coalition of organizations called the Health Coverage Coalition for the Uninsured, which includes 16 national organizations covering both ends of the political spectrum, AARP and Families USA on the one side to the Chamber of Commerce on the other with groups like the AMA in the middle. And uh, our message to Congress is that if these diverse organizations can find common ground on this complex and contentious issue, then certainly Congress ought to be uh, able to do the same. Uh, Besides the tax credits, we do recommend continuation of our government programs like uh, Medicaid and the state children's health insurance program, which provides safety net services for people who would otherwise slip through the cracks. Congress now needs to act on reauthorizing that state children's health insurance program to make sure that children in low-income families continue to be protected. So that's our proposal. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, reasonable and it's practical in, in today's economic climate, in, in the political environment that exists in the United States. And we want our patients and the public to be engaged in this issue. And we've put together a website and materials for people to inform them and to get them involved. And that website is voiceforetheuninsured.com. Voiceforetheuninsured.com to find out more about our proposal and how our, our patients and every member of the public can get involved. Okay. And Mr. Austin, what? A lot of that is, I would support, is a lot of that is moving in the right direction and sounds better than just gradually being absorbed into the loving arms of the federal government uh, and put all our, all our trust in them. Uh, it is a, I would quibble with a couple of things. The, the state, uh, you know, Medicaid wastes $18 billion a year in New York alone. The state uh, program for children is, you know, is... Most of it's spent on adults in Minnesota. It's wasted. And now they're trying to reauthorize it to move children and families of four up to making up to $80,000 a year. And the obvious purpose of that is not to aid the poor, but to move almost all children and eventually all children out of private care and into government care. Uh, so I, I would be very uh, skeptical about that. And just the other thing, the problem with mandates is that once the government mandates insurance, they can't keep their hands off micromanaging it. Uh, so Governor Schwarzenegger in California wants to mandate insurance, but add on, to, to, in addition to the 49 mandated coverage things now, add on other things because you need wellness coverage. To, you know, the insurance companies have to make a contribution to your gym membership, uh, you know, the Bodybuilders Relief Act, uh, and that's, when you have the government exercising that kind of power, it becomes an enormous magnet for every lobbying and special interest that chiropractors will lobby. It's got to cover their stuff, and et cetera. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of what Dr. Davis is talking about would certainly be an improvement over what we have now, particularly national, affordable, portable uh, insurance. But on a, on a foundational basis, I, I don't want to single out AMA, but... I would say for all physicians and all professional organizations physicians to stand up for their rights uh, because if they don't, in the long run, the patients aren't going to be able to stand up for their rights either, but uh, their rights to guide their own practice, to 
determine their own career and make um, make their own decisions and take that strong moral stand. The British Medical Association now is basically just a union. And as time goes by, organizations like the AMA will become under enormous pressure to transform themselves into a union, in effect, and uh, be left with nothing but lobbying for higher Medicare payments or whatever the issue might be. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like much of what I've heard Dr. Davis say, and I hope that that represents uh, physicians uh, taking a principled stand and, and standing up uh, uh, for their rights against the uh, the uh, medical socialists who want to seize it and, uh, and redirect it as they choose. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Davis, one last word, and then I'll, I'll give out the websites again for both of you. Sure. Well, on this issue of uh, representing physicians, we certainly want uh, some legislative relief that would allow us to speak collectively for physicians and would allow groups of physicians to speak on their own behalf, but, but really for patients, in negotiating with insurance companies. Because right now, all of the power of negotiation is with the big insurers, and we, we just put out an, an, another report which shows that in um, more and more cities, the big insurers are consolidating more and more and dominating the marketplace, and they can run roughshod, and they do, over physicians to the detriment of patients. Mm-hmm. So that's an issue that we've been talking about quite a bit lately. But I guess to sum up, we are for universal coverage. We want every American to have health insurance coverage. Uh, we want to begin with children to make sure all eligible children children eligible for the state children's health insurance program get coverage, uh, and that should be the first step towards covering all Americans, including adults. We have a plan that is reasonable, that is affordable, uh, that is consistent with our financial situation, our political environment, and uh, we encourage people to go to our website to learn more about it and to speak to their members of Congress demanding action. Uh, we, We think that there's momentum towards finally addressing this problem. Uh, The political candidates are all talking about it. Massachusetts has taken this on. The governors of California and Pennsylvania have. President Bush addressed this in the State of the Union address. And uh, once you get beyond Iraq, this is the top issue that people are talking about. Mm -hmm. SICA will contribute a little bit to the dialogue, uh, but let's, let's demand action now. And not forget universal freedom in the process. Absolutely. Well, it is a very difficult issue. Um, I, I'm glad. I hope doctors do become more uh, active in in talking about this and in trying to uh, preserve their free practices. You know, their their free choices. Um, so hopefully that'll continue. I'm going to give out the websites for both both of my guests. Um, so that you can go and learn more. Richard Ralston, the Executive Director of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine, his website or the website of the organization is afcm.org. That's A for Americans, F free for free choice, uh, C, well, AFCM, Americans for Free Choice in Medicine.org. And uh, my uh, guest, Dr. Ronald Davis, the President of the AMA, Specifically, the website to find out more information about the plans that he was talking about is voiceforthetheuninsured.com, voiceforthetheuninsured.com. So thank you, both of you, um, for shedding light on this. And yes, SICO is as imperfect as it is, at least it is helping the dialogue. 
And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.